Welcome to Own Goal Podcast, episode 15. The date is September 12th, 2018, and the first international break has come and gone, which always makes us feel like it's been a month since we've had club soccer, but we did get a chance to see a very young U.S. team out there, and a lot of this episode is going to focus on that young U.S. team, and then we'll probably preview the upcoming club games. But first... To the byline. It's in, it's an own goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his calf. Got no chance really the keeper. Astonishing position to get So, unfortunately, the, uh, the the Soccer Federation for Brazil clearly doesn't follow this podcast because they've they've missed out on some key pieces of, of observation and intel. Uh, if you guys aren't aware, the Brazilian national team has named Neymar their permanent captain moving forward. So, they clearly have decided they don't want to win a World Cup anytime soon. Yeah, that's just a massive shitstorm waiting to brew. Um, in, in, uh, inspiration of just how shitty and disastrous of a decision this is ultimately going to be because it's Neymar. He's your captain. Neymar, we've talked about him many times. We've seen it at PSG. He is a locker room cancer. He reminds me, he reminds me of a Landon Donovan figure who unquestionably has talent, but mentally is not the kind of person you want to, to, to be your captain because there are some clear cut leadership issues. True, Landon Donovan, despite his stardom and his talent, has never was never once a, a permanent captain of the U.S. national team. Or I don't even now, think he also wasn't permanent captain for LA Galaxy. He kept getting passed over for Keane and other people that that joined after him. Yeah, even David Beckham, who has no left foot. Uh, but anyway, back to Neymar. Neymar is the captain of Brazil now, and we are now going to list things off that we think are going to be are less of a dumpster fire than Neymar leading Brazil. So, Eric, do you want to start us yeah, off? Yeah, for example, naming Bruce Arena the head coach of your national team could be less of a dumpster fire than naming uh, Neymar your permanent captain. Right, or introducing John Terry to your wife could be less of a dumpster fire than naming Neymar captain. Yeah, at least like, your wife and, and John Terry would have a good time in that, in that result. Um, another example would be naming... Um, David Luiz, captain of Brazil, when you're about to play play Germany in the World Cup, less of a dumpster fire than naming Neymar captain. Naming David Moyes, the head coach of Manchester United, less of a dumpster fire than Neymar being Brazil captain. Yeah, so just a couple of things for you guys to stew. We would love to hear your takes. Uh, feel free to you know tweet us, email us your thoughts on what would be less of a dumpster fire than naming Neymar captain. And if you think this was a good call, then you really should stop listening to our podcast because this is an anti-Neymar podcast. Now, speaking of something that could be more of a dumpster fire <laughs> than Neymar leading Brazil, and yeah, that's my this is my all-time best transition on this podcast, uh, Diego Maradona has been announced as manager of Mexican club Dorados de Sinaloa. And for those of you who don't know... Which Sinaloa I'm has one of the biggest drug cartels in Mexico. 
and Diego Maradona is one of the biggest drug users in the world of soccer, recreational drugs. Yeah. So I, I just feel like this is going to end poorly. I want to see like if there were any riders on that con- on, the, on that contract. Um, I, I'm wondering what outside of standard standard you know payment and currency Diego Maradona is getting as a result of, of working for this this club. And there, I don't think anything has been proven, but. Not only does the city have one of the biggest drug cartels in Mexico, there it's widely rumored and accepted that the club ownership itself has these intertwinings and, and interminglings with the cartel. It's kind of like when uh, Pablo Escobar owned that club team in Mexico. Yeah. Or in uh, Colombia. It, it wasn't in Mexico, yeah. Good, good, good. Colombia, that's my bad. Uh, another update Olivier Giroud scored his first goal for France in uh, 100. Or 807 minutes played. So he finally ended that goal drought. Yeah, that goal drought lasted all throughout the World Cup. Uh, This puts him fourth on France's all-time goal-scoring list. But interesting note, that he's only five goals ahead of French outcast Karim Benzema. And world's world's greatest amateur cinematographer. Who's been exiled from the national team since 2014. So, like... Olivier Giroud, I'm kind of not that impressed, though. Like, it's the least impressive fourth all-time top goal scorer for a major soccer country in history is Olivier Giroud. Yeah. Also, I think if if anybody ever needed somebody to film or, or record, like, a PSA for why you should not commit blackmail, we've got the perfect case study for this. Yes. Also, I would love to be a part of a cream. Imagine a 30 for 30 on cream Benzema. What if I told you <laughs> that there are consequences to blackmailing your teammate with a sex tape? <laughs> yeah, we might have to shop that one past ESPN. We might have to go abroad for, for something like that. But we'll, we'll keep you guys posted. Speaking of Kareem Benzema, he was one of the 55 names on the FIFA, FIFA Pro FIFA. nominees who are listed. The FIFA Pro, they nominate 55 names, and then they create a starting 11 that becomes like the FIFA Pro best 11. And they split that 55 up by position. You know, there's so many yeah. goalkeepers. Then you have all defenders, all midfielders, all forwards. Uh, interesting yeah. enough, you know, Kareem Benzema, I think, rightly made the list. But guess who wasn't there, Donnie? Hmm. Does his name rhyme with Mermio Mamuero? Uh, I mean, it, it depends on how strict you want to get with rhyming. Uh, th- that was more of a slant rhyme. But yes, uh, Sergio Aguero was left off of the FIFA Pro nominees for, for top forwards. What the fuck else does this guy have to do to get the respect that his talent and his, his pr- product really deserves? You know, I think the only way that Sergio Aguero will be respected the way he should is if our podcast just really explodes so people can... Uh, hear us talk about how good he is because he himself can do nothing more yo Sergio um, if you want feel free to come on this podcast we would gladly uh, interview you and elevate you because I, I know that our our niche social media uh, following is, is what's what's really lacking and, and would get you over that that egg and to make you feel special Sergio you would be the only Manchester City player I'd ever let on this podcast yeah um, so so come on uh, that that being said, another another update. Um, Zinedine Zidane says he will coach again before long, and this comes after uh, some more information from from Real Madrid owner. Yeah, uh, Real Madrid president actually Florentino My Perez bad. 
came out on a question about his successor, he said that Rafael Nadal would make a really good president of Real Madrid, which kind of kind of came out of left field, didn't it? By surprise, there isn't he? Uh, he's not a is he a Real Mallorca fan? He he's a pretty big fan of 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 a, of a lesser Spanish La Liga team, isn't he? He is, but he's also a fan of Madrid. Yeah, but his uncle was also known as the Beast of Barcelona because he played for Barcelona as a professional soccer player. Dude, that is an amazing nickname. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a pretty badass. That's, that's, it's pretty not, it's, that's not Uncle Tony, who used to be his tennis coach. It was a different uncle. The, the Nadal family apparently absurdly athletic. Well, I mean, if you look at Nadal, you, you have to realize that those genes are very athletic. I do every time he changes the shirt ten times a game, which is why I love him. Who do you like looking at more, Nadal or Ronaldo? Oh... Ronaldo, Ronaldo. Yeah, Ronaldo. I got it. I, it's Ronaldo. Um, UEFA wants to introduce a third club competition in Europe, which is kind of like an homage to the old uh, UA, uh, European Cup Winners' Cup, which has to be one of the great games of a tournament. Uh, so, really excited to watch Burnley play Real Betis. Dude, I know you're being like like sarcastic about that, but I'll be honest. I bet you that Burnley Real Betis game, or probably Betis, is would probably be really entertaining. It, it'd be something like one one zero two one, but people will be fucking thrown in the dirt. I, I want to see some more games like that. I, I, no, yeah, I, I I actually think there's nothing wrong with giving the lesser teams in the top leagues a chance to play in Europe. I'm not against yeah. it at all. Yeah, no, you're, but you you I, I thought you, you definitely were being a little facetious and, and a little smug. But I honestly could see that game being more interesting than half of the group stage, uh, you know, Champions League games where it's going to be man shitty five nothing against Spartak Prague or whatever. Yeah, and uh, speaking of that. Next episode, we will do a thorough analysis of the groups and yeah. how who we think is going to progress. We just want to talk about the United States. And we right just now. really didn't want to put all that prep work into this episode. That's true. And uh, our last bit of kind of random news. Apparently, for the first time ever, Ronaldo and Messi have the same ranking slash rating in the uh, video game FIFA. Yeah, I don't really know how, how to respond to that because, like, the game, it's a game. It's not that important. I don't really know what you want yeah, to Yeah, but it's just interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. I wonder, has one player always been ranked higher than the other, or have they flip-flopped? Do, do they you... flip-flopped. Okay, so, yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start talking about <laughs> some international games and, and just kind of recapping. Uh, we could talk about the League of Nations, but we won't. I mean, this isn't, this isn't 1920s. We're not about to unfurl the Marshall Plan. Um, this is now an anti-Woodrow Wilson podcast. <laughs> uh, but we are pro-Marshall plan, by the way. Um, so, so yeah, just a quick update. Spain had a pretty solid showing. They absolutely shit-pumped Croatia. I mean, Donnie, what was the what was this game line? Uh, it was a 6-0, six different goal scorers, including Croatia's new goalie, now that Subasic retired. It, was, it marks the worst loss in Croatian history. And I, I mean, I I believe Modric and Rakitic were, were pl- like like this was a Croatia didn't didn't. Oh, feel, all the star- yeah, all, all the starters were there except for that scumbag Mandzukic. Yeah, but he also retired, so he wouldn't be there. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. yeah, that's how little I care about him. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I thought it was very interesting to point out. You know, we're not going to go into the League of Nations crap, um, but because of this competition, these teams did play 
if not their World Cup team, they still played, you know, top-level talent. Uh, you saw Spain with a lot of their new, you know, younger guys like Isco and Asensio and players like that. But but these 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 players and teams really showed up. Uh, Rashford, our boy Marky Rash, had a really good uh, two games, two goals performance. Yeah, which makes me think is Mourinho kind of on the hot seat because Rashford played as a, as a number nine for England, scored both games, where he's always pushed out wide. And I thought he looked good. Like outside of his goals, he looked good too. But. Lukaku, his competition, also scored three goals in two games, and that guy's just been on a tear. Belgium, in general, just been on a tear since the World Cup, and you got to think that even though it's way too early, they're going to be one of the top four favorites for the for Euro yeah. uh, 2020. I mean, yeah, you can think of, you're going to have, obviously France is going to be a favorite, Belgium, Brazil, people Germany. Are gonna, people are going to have Brazil up there. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm putting Germany over Spain, though. I don't know. I would put... Belgium, Brazil, or not Brazil, sorry. France. Belgium, Germany, not in any order, France, Spain. Yeah. I think we just got a preview that Croatia might not be able to do. Croatia. It's, it's ha- one game, but I yeah. don't think they're going to be able to do what they did at the World Cup. Croatia had an amazing World Cup, and I'm not saying they're about to go to the levels they were when they were like, you know, wow, they made a good round of 16 run, or they made it to the quarters, good for them. Like, I think they're still going to be able to compete and be competitive, but it's, I think it's going to be a while before we see Croatia charging into the finals again. Yeah. Um, now, as we said, Belgium is on a tear and moving in the right direction. Uh, a powerhouse European team that's moving in the wrong direction is Italy. They uh, lost to Portugal 1-0. Uh, former AC Milan player Andre Silva is able to score again, so that's cool. And, uh, and they also tied Poland off of, uh, I think, uh, an 80-minute penalty kick. So Italy is really struggling. It's really reminiscent of me to me of what the Dutch and Netherlands went through, you know, six, four years ago when, when they started tailing off and missing cuts for competitions and then having really just disappointing performances. Funny you say that because that is true. Like if you think about the last since the 2010 World Cup, we kind of feel like I agree that the sentiment is that Holland has fallen off, but I think, like, because they just did it in such a quiet way, they were a semifinalist of the 2014 World Cup, and yeah. that blows my mind. Yeah, and like, yeah, and, 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 and they they played well in those games. Like, they, 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 they weren't surprises that they got as far as they did. It's just since then, missing both the Euro and the, 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 this last World Cup, and also just their, their performances, you know, in friendlies and in, in qualifying it's not like they, oh, narrowly missed out and, and really should have gotten in but got unlucky. They just you know didn't deserve to, to be in there, and Italy is really following suit, which is very, very unfortunate. I agree, and I think it's not as good for the game, too. I think, the game, I think it's better for the game to have a stronger Netherlands side, to have a stronger Italian side. I think the game is better that way. Yeah, definitely. But enough about the Europeans. It's time to talk some USA, baby. USA! USA! Although we didn't, we, we we did lose that first game. Uh, opening game was was last Friday uh, against Brazil. Was happy to see Brazil. You know they didn't have all of their stars, but they had enough of them. You know Marcelo, their most important player, wasn't wasn't on the pitch. But and neither was Thiago Silva. It's their second most important player. Um, but their third most important player, Philip Coutinho, was on. Their fourth most important important player, 
Uh, Firmino was on. Also, Allison Becker was in goal. So they had they had most of their stars. They even had you know the the, the guy Neymar. If yeah, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, uh, you know the the scoreline two nothing. It really should have been one nothing. It was a horrible penalty call of an absolute dive, no contact in the box by was it Douglas Costa who went down. Uh, yeah, it was Douglas Costa. I think John Brooks was literally just standing there. Oh, John Brooks actually like like straightened up his legs and like stepped out of the way, knowing exactly what was going to happen. And then Costa still dove, and the ref still called it because I think he was checking a text on his phone or something when it happened. Yeah, no, that was a shit call. But, I mean, no surprise from Brazil. Always going to look find a way to throw themselves on the ground any chance they get. I mean, who's really shocked? No, not, not, not at all. Um, you know, interesting, you know, really fun to see a really young roster from the, from the U.S. Bobby Wood at, at, age, at age, age player uh, to, to start for, for the, the U.S. A lot of youth, which also means a lot of mistakes, you know? Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I think uh, Robinson who's playing fullback for us, he showed those mistakes, you know, getting stuck in a little bit. And the thing is, this is what the point of these games are. I, I have always said this. The point of these is play your, play these young guys, play these guys who can be an integral part of 2022, uh, but more importantly, I think I have my eyes on the prize. I think 2026 is our best chance to win. More on that later. More importantly, um, be ready for World Cup qualifying because clearly we have to up that game too. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, it's good to get these guys' experiences. And you, this, these friendlies are the time to make these exactly. young mistakes and to learn from them. And I'm glad you brought up Anthony Robinson because for guys, people that aren't familiar with who he is, he's a young, I think, 20, 21-year-old left back. He's on the books at Everton. They loaned him out to, uh, I think it's Wigan Athletic this season in the, in the championship. So he's getting some good playing time in the championship, similar to how Yedlin uh, got a lot of game time at Newcastle in the championship. Uh, Anthony Robinson is a fat. He's fast. He's quick. He he's naturally left footed. Loves getting up and attack, which is something that that the, our left back position has really been missing lately. And um, what I really like about the Brazil game is I'm glad he was matched up against Douglas Costa because he needed to play against somebody who is not just faster than him, but faster than him even when that person is on the ball. So I think he's really going to realize and learn that he can't just rely on his natural speed. It's the same thing that Yedlin went through a couple of years ago when he would he would use his incredible speed to get him out of tough spots because, you know, in the in MLS, you could do that. But once Yedlin was over in England playing in the championship and now in the Premier League, he's gotten so much better at his tactical awareness and positioning, which I think is something that, that Robinson, you know, will definitely start to acquire. Absolutely. I, I think that's totally spot on. Another thing I like about Robinson is for someone of his speed at the fullback position to also be six feet. Yeah, he's tall. Exactly. Like, he's got some height, too, which I like. And, uh, yeah, I think it's okay that he made the mistake. Like, people shouldn't – if you're a fan of the USA, like Eric said, you shouldn't be discouraged by that. Like, he's going to learn. It's going to make him a better player. Like, Douglas Costa, like, had kind of his – you know, kind of had his way with Robinson for a lot of the game. But that's a good thing for his development in the long term. And also, mentality-wise, he, he didn't – he, once Douglas Costa burnt him, he didn't, you know, just become really docile and timid. And, and he, uh, Robinson still got up and attacked, still tried to overlap and, and then still try to rely on his speed a little bit. So he, he kind of made mistakes 
and but but didn't get disheartened by that, and that's why I like to see it at a young age. Also, these are friendlies; these results don't matter. There's one exception for that. Yeah, and that exception is Mexico. USA, USA, USA. Y- you were. I'm sorry, but you, they were never going to beat us on September 11th. No, no fucking way. No. Um. So yeah, Mexico, uh, U.S. played. Tuesday night, which is as of our recording, is last night. Um, if you guys aren't aren't aware, USA won one zero. Did the goal did come shortly after a red card, but it was an absolutely deserved red card. Uh, I believe there was. A, I I actually disagree. You do. Yeah. You taking the uh, the Kyle Martino angle with the the foul on, on CCV. Um. Explain that angle to me. So uh, Kyle Martino and people are saying that Cameron Carter-Vickers uh, fouled. I forgot it. The, the guy. Oh name. no no no. Okay uh, okay. I know what you're talking about. That's not a take I'm taking. Okay. To me, a red card. There has to be something just so. There has to be a sinister element for me that you. But to me, like his foot. It, to me, it was so clear. His foot just. It was such an accident. Like his foot slipped over the ball. It's hard for me to send off a guy for an accident. If this was a game that meant something and a player on my team got sent off for that, for like what was so obviously just an accident, like his foot accidentally rolled over the top of the ball, I would be furious. And so from that lens, I don't agree with it. Here's and here, here's my take on it kind of the other way is the, the, the rules of a red card, there's actually intent is not required. Intent can be considered, um, but you're responsible for your body and for your movement and actions and what he did definitely not intentionally but what he did accidentally resulted in a really dangerous and injury threatening play so i have no problem with the red card being called also i know that when when these games matter and one of our guys makes that mistake every single time we will get that red card called on us so i want i want it called against our opponents as well every single time I get that take, but instead of it being wrong both ways, I'd rather it be right. Both I'd ways. rather be right both ways as well, but I know it won't because that's not. Remember, remember when Yedlin got red carded in the Copa America because he got pushed by another by, by the other team. Yeah. So like we we don't get the, we don't get those calls. We're not going to get those calls correctly. So I'd rather everybody get the fucked up calls the same. Like I said, I see that take. I'd rather the call just be correct. More importantly. Matt Miazga showed up as as I think is he is he leading candidate for person that's gonna pick up the swag left by Clint Dempsey. Oh yeah, uh, the really the highlight of that game for me <laughs> was when uh, Diego Linez tried Linez, to, like yeah. who's five five tried to chirp the six four Matt Miazga and Matt Miazga just like put his hand up and made fun of him for being short, which was hilarious. Oh, it was, I, I don't know how that's racist, by the way. He's definitely it's definitely heightest. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's heightest or yeah or, or it's shortest if you're you know. But he's not. There, there was yeah. I. It also like like Lionez. I think you were telling me afterwards said he had no issue with it. Like like nobody involved in the incident has issue what with what went down. Uh, you know, some people are saying that Lionez made Miazga look like look like a full all game, and Miazga is being the lesser man. Um, I think Linus had a very good game in terms of getting an open space and being on the ball, but his end product was really lacking, and part of that was because Miazga was always there. He really good job cutting out headers into the box 
Um, I thought, and that, that was clearly a big, big uh, strategy for Mexico going into this game. So Miazga played really well. Linus played really well. We're going to be seeing that kid a, a lot when we play Mexico next couple of years. Um, but, you know, both teams were really young. Even even Irving Lozano, their most promising, you know, youth player, went back back to his club at uh, Eindhoven to, to, to practice with them. We didn't have pool of six, so it was pretty much a toss-up. Uh, I did like what we saw from Tyler Adams, uh, you know, making that 30, 35-, 40-yard run and a really good ball from our, our boy Anthony Robinson. Yeah, I also liked uh, Shaq Moore on the, on the, you know, kind of probably Yedlin's understudy, doing yeah. good work on the right wing. Uh, I've been a little underwhelmed by uh, Way these last two games. I've, I've thought, I think, sec- so I think it's important to note that, honestly, first half, we did not look good. No. Mexico dominated us first half. Um, second half, w- before the red card, I thought we, we, we definitely looked much better. Um, we, we, we weren't dominating by any chance, but I'd say we were 60% more impressive to, to Mexico's 40% in the second half before the red card. Really, to me, it kind of turned around when Miazga started getting real chirpy. And, and I, 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 liked to, I liked seeing that intensity and that fire. I know it's a friendly, but this is USA-Mexico. And I liked what I saw from Miazga, both from his, his on-the-pitch product as well as, as the fire he brought. Another thing I'll add to the discussion is that I think it's a little bit ironic that kind of people are calling Miazga a racist and outrager of the short thing when the Mexico fans scream the word faggot before yeah. the start of every game. Yeah, not, not just before the start of every game, at every goal kick, too. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe if we maybe if we want to talk about class, look in the mirror a little bit. Yeah. Um, also, but also like, who the fuck cares about class? It's 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 a it's a match between your biggest rival. You don't see uh, Argentina and Brazil telling each other, "You guys should be more classy." <laughs> I'm, just well, saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> that was so a good like, one. Like, um. So uh, just uh, you know, kind of let's talk about our takeaways from these two friendlies. First, with kind of the players and the squad and kind of our thoughts. Um, one thing I'll start with is it looks like, at least under the rest of... Uh, Sarakin. Sarakin's... Sarakin? How do you say it? I think it's Sarakin. Sarakin, uh, Rain, uh, Stefan. Zach Stefan will be the guy. Yeah, I, the, I, I mean, Stefan's Steffen, really shown himself well in, in the, 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 play, the spots he's gotten. He was a little, little iffy on that coming out to play the ball in the box and had that indirect handball kind of thing. That was a little weird uh, last night, but all in all, he's got really good reactions. He's a, he's a tall, big guy. I don't have any issues with that. Would like No, I mean, to me, you know, it's early in his career. Right now, except for that one coming out of the box thing moment that you were talking about, he's a guy who you can rely on isn't probably going to make a mistake. Yeah. And he's going to save the balls he should, which yeah. is, I mean, you saw it with Liverpool last season, how important having a guy who can at least do that is. Um, is he going to be like a Tim Howard who's going to make the saves? He shouldn't act too early to tell. I, yeah, I, I don't know if he'll be making 14 saves against Belgium, you know, when when the rest of the team is just non-existent, right? So, I, that, 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 but that's also hard to diagnose. Uh, it seems like he is is, is up in a way, the, the lead candidate. People are still saying Brad Guzan wants to get back into the camp, which I want him back into the camp just because I want somebody pushing our number one, right? You always want to have solid competition to help keep somebody on their toes. 
Um, then moving forward, uh, back four, obviously Yedlin right back. That there's no question there. I like. I know he's young and, and he's making mistakes, but we have four years to go before the next World Cup. I like seeing Anthony Robinson uh, sliding in at that left back, and then center back. We've got we've got some options here, and it's been a while since we've been able to say that. Yeah, uh, you know, you got Matt Miazga, Cameron Carter, Vickers, and John Brooks, and this makes me think that I always say, especially in international soccer. You find a way to play your 11 best players and make the system work. You don't, you don't come up with a system in your head and make the players work to the system. You make the system work to the players. I honestly think you do that regardless of international club or whatever. You play your best 11 and you, play, you find a system that, that best fits your best 11. But that, that's just me. Well, see, I disagree because I think in the club competition where, in a sense, where like point value points are important you can you can just strategize and your best 11 may not be the same for every game That's whereas fair. i think for international soccer your best le- your best 11 should kind of be the same for every game that's fair um and i think that given i think our defense is our most promising position going for the next few years just in terms forward. of not, not not just in terms of like you know one or two really talented players at the spot but overall the depth we have the talent of the depth we have Really, the, the biggest question mark is left back. Yeah, and the potential the, as yeah, well. The, the biggest question mark is left back. But outside of that, I feel really, really good about, you know, Yedlin, obviously, and right back. And then our center backs are, I, I love our choices. So I think I know where you're going with this. I just never thought I'd hear you say it. What? I think I know where you're going with this. I just never thought I'd hear you say it. So I, I'm going to need to hear it right now. I think the next U.S. manager should experiment with what a three in the back slash five in the back would look like for the U.S. men's national team. Oh, my God. I I may be erect right now. I'm so glad that we, we podcast from different sites now. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I don't think you're wrong in the slightest, right? Because right now, after watching Brooks play in the first game and then watching CCV and Miazga, who I really like their partnership play, I'm wondering how do we decide between Miazga, Cameron Carter-Vickers, or or John Brooks? And, and your answer is... To play all three. Yeah, I was queuing you up for that one. I wasn't oh, to, I thought you were I, just like... I wasn't trying I thought to... You- I thought you were having a stroke. I wasn't trying to stump you there, buddy. Uh, <laughs> for once, for once, we're working together. I'm just trying to trying to. Well, you, know. you play all three, and it lets your guys like Yedlin and uh, Anthony Robinson. It lets them push up forward more, knowing you have covered the back. Then you anchor that midfield with guys like Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, Acosta. You don't even have to think about that clown Will Trap. Oh, also Will with it was pointed out to me that his name is William Trap with two L's. But when he's called Will, it only has one L, which is fucking bullshit, by the way. And he kind of sucks. I'm saying it now. Very so, loud and proud. So, and we're going to touch on this a little bit later, but I, I'm, I'm a big Michael Bradley homer. I, I, I think he's just he's been a really good player. He's obviously not as good as he once was, um, but guy's gotten a lot of flack from a lot of U.S. fans for a long time. And what I've noticed about Will Trapp is if you were to jot down all the, the shit that Michael Bradley haters say about Michael Bradley, that is an accurate description of Will Trapp as a soccer player. Yeah. Yeah, this so guy he's like this guy has eight, like, eight caps, six of them as US captain. 
which is just, there just must be something about his locker room presence we don't know. And locker room presence is always code for has a large schlong. Yeah, like he's just rocking an absolute pipe down there. Um, but you know really what, who he is? He's, he's this generation's Kyle Beckerman. Just when I thought we were done with him. Like, I think maybe Kyle, you know, Kyle Beckerman maybe like no, aroused, it, pleasured himself into a pot and buried the ejaculate and then a will trap sprung from it. Well, that is much, that's much more disturbing than my idea, which was the aliens from um, from Space Jams stole stole Kyle Beckerman's lack of talent and then and put it in a soccer ball and then made Will Trap touch it and he gained his lack of talent. <laughs> it's the whole idea of addition by subtraction. Yeah, it worries me how much attention Will Trap's going, and this kind of segues me to my next topic, is that the future of who's going to be the coach that's supposed to be named pretty soon. Yeah, um, I mean, pretty soon. It could be October. It could also not be till December, so I don't really know. That's pretty soon. I October, guess, guess within that. the next three months, that's soon. But when you think about the fact that, that Sarakin was named interim manager early October last year, means that, well, like, it's, we've gone a year, and we don't have... I don't know. Uh, also, I'm not looking forward to it because I know we're going to end up with an MLS coach. Or are we going to end up with Sarachin? I don't think so. I think the way Ernie Stewart has talked about it and, and, and stuff, it seems like he's waiting for a good time to interview one or two candidates and make a decision from there. So it seems to me like he's waiting for the end of the MLS season going to interview his two candidates, which are probably both in the MLS season, and then announce one of those two as the head coach. Or he's just writing because it's going to be Dave Serkin. But then he would have announced it already. No, because he. I think he's waiting for something so big to happen in geopolitical news that this will go under the rug that we're just keeping is this, this like, guy who's is this, just kind is of this, been around, like you said, for a year. Is this like when Russia waited for the World Cup to start so that they could pass the the, 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 the social security reform and all that stuff? And, and like, yeah. Fuck over there, people. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a Kremlin move, Eric. He pulled one out of your playbook. Hey, hey, I didn't invent the Kremlin, okay? I just censor what goes on and, on and doesn't go on this podcast. Uh, but I, I think it'll either be Sarakin or an MLS coach. I think... The idea of us getting a coach that I'll be anyway happy with is long dead and buried. And I hate to say it, but we're, we might be entering the darkest timeline because we're going to have such a talented player pool oh of so many guys based in Europe and an absolute pigeon for a coach. Well, we got Weston McKinney and we, we have Tyler Adams, who I really do think is close to moving to the Bundesliga or maybe somewhere in Austria because like Red Bull has so many affiliates in, in all those, those countries. Um, so we've got two really exciting, you know, central defensive central attacking midfielders that could really help, you know, support like a Pulisic type, you know, player uh, above them. But with Will Trapp there, we don't have room for, for Adams to, to really be, I think where he's best at, which is, is, linking up between the defense and the, the attacking mids. And, what, and 
Weston McKinney is so good in front of that back four too. Yeah, but also I, I think Weston McKinney is really good, kind of a level above that as well, though, because I love watching Weston uh, press. Yeah, no, I think he's like, yeah. I think he is the closest thing in the modern game. This type of player is disappearing, but he's a true eighteen to eighteen box to box, box, to box midfielder. Yeah. And I just think with Will Trapp uh, encroaching on Tyler Adams' best spot, that then no fault to Tyler Adams makes him kind of get in the way with what Weston McKinney can and can't do. And also, why the hell is Kellen Acosta playing on the wing? What was that about? To be fair, Kellen Acosta used to be a fullback for such a long time. I understand, but he's so much... And you can see, he was he kept being very inclined to, to cut in when he wasn't doing best, was when he had to play along along the touchline. The guy is a really good player, and he has he still has aspirations of going over to Europe, which I was really happy to hear about. Um, but I, just, I did not understand that move of putting him on the wing that, that's neither here nor there I'm not looking forward to the future of US coaching because I think we're going to as you said waste this awesome pool of talent that we have at our hands right now alright gun to your head the next US men's soccer coach is Dude, who do I want or who do I think who do you think Greg like Ver- you're predicting the future Greg Verholter he already from coached, uh where's- he, Columbus he coaches Will yep. Trapp Zach Steffen he also coaches Jazzy Zardes Yep, I think team? that's a, yeah, that's a, that team will be in Austin soon, though. I don't want to talk about that. That's, I mean, it's awesome that Austin's going to get a, a pro sports team, but it, it's actually really shitty how the city of Columbus has done a really good job supporting the crew, and they're getting fucked over by the owner, so it's 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 kind of a bittersweet thing. That doesn't make me any happier for the fact that we're going to have fucking... Greg Berhalter as our next coach. Or for lucky, we're going to get Caleb Porter. Oh, that's so much better. They actually don't think we're going to get Caleb Porter anymore because he's been out of the game for almost yeah. a year now. You think it's going to be Dave Sarakin or Berhalter? I see Dave Sarakin, Berhalter, or Peter Vermees. Yeah, Peter Vermees is, yeah, that's... Oh, or, or, oh, really, fuck me if they pick Zeke David... Schmidt. No, they're going to pick David Moyes. <laughs> oh, fuck, I forgot... Yep. Oh, yeah, we yep. had the uh, European coach you guys wanted. Uh, <laughs> we did our job. Uh, fuck you. Please, no. <laughs> no matter what, I'm going to be unhappy, unless it's Zidane. Wait, Zidane said he... Wait a minute. Zidane re- did say he was going to be coaching soon. He was putting out the feelers. We just have to call him. Yo, Zinedine, come on this podcast. We, we're going to do a, a joint special. You and Sergio Aguero, come on this podcast. We're going to get Sergio the recognition he deserves. More importantly, Zidane, we're going to get you the coaching job you've always dreamed of, and that is the U.S. men's national soccer team hot off a failure to reach the World Cup. I'm just going to say this. This is, this is how, I, if Zidane was in the room with us, this is how I'd sell off. First, I'd say bonjour to respect him. Second, I would say this. Right now, you've kind of peaked. You won back-to-back-to-back Champions League. The only thing you could do more impressive than that is win a World Cup with the United States. That's the only way you could top what you've already done. I would t- I, I could end this way. Yo, Zinedine. First off, thank you for coming on our podcast. We really appreciate it. Second off, when we post this, please tweet it. We could use the, the footprint. And most <laughs> importantly, you take this job... We will do everything we can. Donnie will use his fancy law degree to finagle a way to get Kareem Benzema U.S. citizenship and U.S. soccer eligibility to bring him out of exile. Well, 
safe to say that if Zinedine Zidane came on the podcast, he would not become the next coach fourth, of the U.S. soccer team. Fourth, Aguero, because I said this is a joint spectacular. If you could also tweet this podcast, that'd be helpful, too. Yeah, in pretty much any language you want, buddy. We'll take it. I'll fucking So I think we have, we have dragged out that as long as possible. Should we transition to uh, previewing the club games this weekend? Yeah, we're not going to go into too much detail. Um, you know, these will be the games that we'll be recapping and and more next week. But look at the Premier League. Couple couple of interesting fixtures. The one that that really sticks out is that Tottenham Liverpool match. Uh, I think this could be a really good idea to see. You know, both these teams have started off pretty well. Also, both have had moments where they haven't looked too convincing in their results they've gotten. So it'll be really interesting to see how how both do against you know that top tier uh, competition. Yeah, we're gonna see who's a fraud in this game between the two of them. Uh, then you have Manchester City Fulham. Last time we, you know, kind of had a funeral for a team that played Manchester City was Wolverhampton, and they told us to shut the fuck up right away. So uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe Fulham can get a result. Probably I not. I know they won't get a result. Um, Fulham, I think, is still has some lingering injuries that I, I don't even know if, if Tim Ream's still able to play for them, and he was their player of the season last year. Uh, Manchester City is also at home. And they're gonna be pissed off after failing to secure all three points against oh, Wolverhampton. Yeah. So um, play play the funeral music, Fulham. We'll see you the following week. Yeah. Amazing grace. Uh, now you have still perfect Watford <laughs> versus less than perfect Manchester United, and I think okay. Here's the thing. No matter what, it's bad for Watford, and here's how. If they lose, it's like, okay, yeah, this Watford thing was only like a few games in the season. It's not for real. But if they win, it's like, oh, you only beat Manchester United. It's not really not a big of a deal either. Here's, so here's Watford, the, it's a lose-lose for Watford. Here's the thing. If Watford beat Man United, I don't care if you're going to let me or not. I'm changing my picks for top four, and I'm going Watford to win the fucking Premier League. Uh, yeah, it, it, Man U away from home. Well, actually, Burnley was away from home, and we did all right. Yeah. No, I would like to think this, that Man this, U this, will... This, this, this is a game that Man U should win, which means they're going to tie. Also, but like for me, the, the result is not would not be an indictment of Man United. It's coronation of the fact that the once-in-future king is Watford. Yeah. After that, we have uh, Yedlin's Newcastle versus three-point team Arsenal. And well, Newcastle really need to win. And this is at home, and it's against a, a team that can't play defense. Um, I'm now convinced that Emery is just a de-aged Arsene Wenger. Like this must have been mm. this must have been what Wenger looked like when he was younger, but I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, I think Newcastle need a win. Hope, hopefully, Yedlin can help deliver. And then the su- the most intriguing Sunday game is. Everton versus pointless West Ham. Uh, Rick Carlson is fresh off of his brace for Brazil, getting his first two international goals. He did goals. like the chicken dance. And I just feel like West Ham is so fucking doomed, man. You know, it's interesting that it was preseason. Good number of people were actually pretty high on West Ham to do better than they had done last season, and that's clearly not off to a good start. Um, there are, are rumors that West Ham, you know, in their agreement with, with Mancini, when they got him to... You know, to, to come and be their manager, they failed to put any clauses in to where if they fired him right now, they would still owe him like $12 million. So they're stuck with this guy for for the foreseeable future. 
but but both pe- people were big on Everton and West Ham. Everton has had a solid start to the season, so it's it's interesting to see how they've gone in opposite directions. I don't feel good for West Ham in this one. Yeah, uh, R.I.P. West Ham, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that takes us now to uh, Syria. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for a couple couple interesting matchups. Uh, Inter. Oh, I have some hot takes. I have some hot takes for these games, by the way. Oh, sweet. Uh, Inter continues their opening the season opening schedule of playing teams that aren't really considered challengers for Europe, either Europa or or Champions League positions. So they're gonna play Parma. Uh, Inter got their first win last last I guess two weeks ago now. Uh, so we'll be interested to see how they play at home against Parma. I'm really. Uh, do you have, do you have a hot take on that one? No, no, no. That's like the one that I really have no interest in whatsoever. I'm, I'm really interested in the Napoli Fiorentina matchup. Napoli is Napoli. They're you know they they're they're one of the favorites to do well in the league. They had a bit of a they got shit pumps last weekend or last match day. Uh, and Fiorentina has a couple really exciting young players. Uh, Federico Chiesa is a really really exciting Italian winger, and and I'm, I'm I I like this Fiorentina team. Be really interesting to see how they play. What's your what's your take on this one? Uh, big expect a big win for Napoli. Don Carlo is the top manager in the game still, in my opinion, active manager, and he's not gonna like how they ended. He's gonna have to spend the entire international break obsessing over this game, and I expect a solid win from Napoli. I think I think this one is actually a really good good will be a good gauge on the players and the mentality of the players. I don't doubt Carlo Ancelotti's abilities or his desire or the work ethic he's put in. Uh, but after that, that drubbing last weekend, coming out at home against a talented but less talented team in Fiorentina, if their players aren't full bore going at it, I think this could you know spell trouble for for a long season. All right, what's your what's your hot take on the next matchup we got, which is Cagliari and Milan? The Milan boys are buzzing after that last minute winner against Roma. I expect a, I expect a shit pump from Milan. To just absolutely shit bump Calgary. Um, I I would thoroughly enjoy shit pumping. Uh, I'll settle for any kind of win. I would be very happy with like a two one or two near two zero three one type victory. Um, I just I, I don't see Milan shit pumping anybody because the last couple of seasons have scared me too much. Um, but I would love to see us continue that the the the. You know the momentum off of that Roma match. I am a little bummed that we had that match and then had to go right into the international break, which I definitely think takes some steam away. You know, the guys break up from the team a little bit. Uh, so I'm glad we're coming back with with Cagliari though, and not not you know not going against Inter or or Lazio or somebody like that. Then we have a uh, Roma and Chievo, Verona. Uh, Roma coming off that last minute loss uh, against Milan. Has a little bit of a you know rugged rough start to the season. This will be a, an important one for them. Um, if if Kievo can take points away from Roma while Roma's at home, that's going to be a big big step back for Roma in their their Champions League quest. I have no take for this game. Uh, I agree with your analysis, but the last game I have a take for is Juventus versus Sassuolo. Oh yeah, and uh, expect I I don't know. I'm sure. I mean, you can gamble on anything. I would bet Cristiano Ronaldo will score. Yeah, me too. I bet you he scores in the first half. Yep, he's scoring in this game. This is the one that he scores in. Uh, I think he's a little pissed off that Junior 
is already having a better start to his Juventus career than Senior is, and he's not going to let Junior alpha him like that in his own home. Yeah, I also, I think, you know, Ronaldo puts so much effort into his craft, always has, always will, and I, I, I could see him spending this entire European, you know, European break because he didn't play for Portugal. Um, nope. Resting, working out, but also studying and breaking down Serie A defense film. Oh, yeah. And that now transitions us, speaking of film, to the boring Liga. Or the Bayern Liga. Uh, Dortmund and Frankfurt kicks things off Friday. What's the injury report on U.S. national treasure? Not Nicolas Cage, but uh, indeed Christian Pulisic. Do you think he's going to be uh, fit for this one? I'm not sure. It wasn't a serious muscle injury that that uh, kept him out of Dortmund's last game or the U.S. camp. Uh, but he did he did fail to travel to their their game before the international break, uh, which I think was more of a precaution. Their idea was let's keep him out of of that game that zero zero draw they had. Uh, I think it was against Hoffenheim, if I'm not mistaken. And then and then we'll have the international break two weeks off, and then we'll have him back. So I think they're expecting to have him back, but I haven't heard anything officially yet. Uh, we'll, we'll 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 be looking out for that though. Hopefully he'll be able to play. And then that takes us to Saturday, where Bayern Munich have already defeated Bayer Leverkusen somehow. Yeah, it's, but it's, that, the only question is the scoreline, and will there be any bullshit penalties or whatever, like the weird shit that happened? Um, oh and, and yeah. The, yeah. So that that's the only. Uh, question. Then we have a little yank on yank action, which is really the best kind. Oh yank, um, yank my chain, why don't you? <laughs> you have Borussia Mönchengladbach versus Schalke. So Fabian Johnson. Who's still not that old of the older guard. Yeah, but Fabian's even talked about being thinking that he's probably done with the U.S. national team. He said that a couple times. So, I, I versus uh, versus the young young up and comer Weston McKinney, your boy. Yeah, and, and Weston McKinney did pull out of that that early first half of the Mexico game with uh, that that knee problem. They just announced that it was a knee bruise and not a sprain or anything. So that was really good news. I don't know you know, what the extent is in terms of will he play on it, will he train on it. Uh, so hopefully Weston McKinney will be ready for that March and Globlack uh, game. If, if not, he'll probably be back the week after, but, but definitely hoping he will be. And then last up, we have uh, Wolfsburg playing house to Hertha Berlin. So uh, John Brooks's old club coming into town. It's kind of like inviting your ex-girlfriend to your wedding with someone who's not her, obviously. Uh, so, yeah, that should be good. And he's definitely playing because he pulled out of the uh, second friendly altogether. Yeah, and that was planned. It, it was planned ahead of time that he, he wasn't going to be in the second friendly. And, and that, the whole point was, you know, John's been integral part for, for well, Hertha when he was with them and now Wolfsburg. But he's also had those injury concerns. So I think they just wanted to let him play one game with the U.S., but then make sure they have him back for for, for, for the club games because they do need him. So... Really excited. I, you know, we might call it the, the boring linga, but what this really is is the U.S. men's national team incubator. So I do like the uh, the Bundesliga for anything outside of the title race. Yes, completely agree. And speaking of boring title races, back to La Liga we go, where Atletico Madrid, who you and I both predicted at the start of the season to finish second, is currently sitting in 10th place. To be fair, we'll I, I, I picked them because I, I like the team. I like their players. Uh they're not going to finish second. It's not looking good. We'll be playing Ibar. Guess who's third in La Liga right now, by the way? Is it, uh, what's, our, what's, our, what's their fucking name? Celta Vigo. Is this really Celta Vigo? Yeah, they're third right now. 
I love it. I can't wait for Watford to and Celta Viga to both win their leagues the same year. <laughs> uh, Real Sociedad, no, aka believe, Real. Yes, it's Real Social Dad. Play host to Barcelona, so goodbye, Real Social Dad. And now this game, I'm taking a hot take. Athletic Bilbao hosting Real Madrid. Real Madrid tied this game. They're not going to get any bullshit penalties. They drop points here. You want to bet the uh, uh, PSG slash League 1 recap on that? Done. It has been a gentleman's agreement. Also, and now also I think time. I think social oh. dad social dad takes points off Barcelona by the way. Well, damn, we already made the bet on mine. Know, now I you know. say that I know. you're a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> and now, finally, it's time to end on mailbag for douchebags. It's mail time. Extra long because I forgot to do it last week. You're welcome, everyone. That was the greatest moment of all of our lives. Uh, This comes from Taylor on Twitter. What are y'all's thoughts on Alexi Lawless's top 10 U.S. men's national team's outfield players? For those that aren't aware of what his list is, uh, I'll go from 10 down. 10, Josie Altidore. 9, Eddie Pope. 8, Michael Bradley. 7, Brian McBride. 6, Kobe Jones. Five, Claudio Reyna. Four, Eric Winalda. Three, Clint Dempsey. Two, Tab Ramos. One, Landon. Baby back bitch, Donovan. To put Clint Dempsey at three... Is a fucking travesty. It is a... You might as well slap his kid. Like, this is this is kangaroo court. Yeah, it's bullshit, yeah. really, as well. Um, um, we don't condone child violence. No. No, we did. We did. No, definitely a big anti-beating children podcast. Yeah, um, looking at you, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, that's that's the really big one for me. Also, I'm not crazy about having Kobe Jones on there. Um, I there's some gla- glaring omissions. I think you and I have at least two we agree on. Maybe a third. I don't know where you stand. But we. Thought, I made a list. I thought we were going to each make so lists. We both. I was just about to say, hold your horses, there, little one. We uh we each made a list and we checked it twice. No, I guess it's not December yet. Uh, but <laughs> we, we we have our list and so instead of picking across you know everything that, that he that that Alexi Lalas picked, uh, I think we should just go ahead and and kind of you know go through our rankings. Who do you have at number ten? I have Stuart Holden, who would have been higher on the list if he wasn't plagued by injuries. Yeah, Stu actually, I so I made my list and then I I made like the, my two alternates that that just missed out and because of his injury problems, Stu was first alternate number eleven on my list. Uh, number ten, I had Eric Winalda. Interesting because Eric Winalda was my first alternate on my list. <laughs> okay, hey, that's that's pretty cool. Uh, number nine, I have who the guy who Alexi Lawless thinks is better than Clint Dempsey. I have Tab Ramos at number nine. Oh wow! Okay, I I have Tyrone was pretty high up on my on my rankings actually, so I do have him there. My number nine, I've got I don't know I don't know why I, I love this guy so much. It's probably because he's arguably he's one of the best fullbacks our national team has ever had, and it's Stevie Chirundolo. Uh, no, I had him much higher on my I, list. I, I I I think 
injuries did plague the, like the, the second half of his stints with the U.S., so I kind of factored that in there as well. Um, and also, you know, I, but that dude could run up the pitch and support on offense while still getting back and not leaving his man behind on defense. Just a master class in, in modern-day fullback for, for a U.S. player. Who'd you have for number eight? My fucking dude, the swag captain, Jermaine Jones, baby, JJ13. I can't believe I had him higher on the list than you did. I, I, I put some, some older guys that, you know, you and I haven't grown, you know, like, like we were watching when we were really young. Um, you know, I, I put them a little higher up as well, just because we do talk about the recency bias, how a lot of people are saying, you know, this player has to be the best player ever. And they're not even thinking about like, you know, Cruyff or, or, or best or people that, that come way before them. So I tried to use some of my own recency bias to, to peter out some of my rankings. I just kind of looked at careers and like where they spent the majority of their club careers in terms you. of playing here or playing abroad. And that was kind of my bigger thing. And I, I kind of ignored for a lot of part actual careers and, and looked at a lot of just like, you know, from what I knew with the U.S. Oh, okay. That's fair. So a little bit different ways of looking at it, which is okay. Who's your Ocho? My Ocho is Brian McBride. I have him, I have him higher up though. And I have a specific reason for that. I'll, I'll touch on that in a second. So, uh, yeah. Uh, that leads us to number seven, where I put Michael Bradley. Me too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look at us. Yeah. And like I said, I, I, I try to temper some of my rankings. So a couple of the guys that I'm going to say next, um, you know, I personally would probably want to have Jermaine Jones, Chirondolo, and Michael Bradley ahead of him. But I think I did a good job in recognizing my bias and, and trying to account for that. Um, That's fair. Moving on to number six is somebody that – I absolutely can't believe didn't make uh, Alexi Lawless's top list. Um, for me, he's he's my my first image I think of when I think of you know when I was younger watching the U.S. captain, and that's Carlos Bocanegra. I had him. High. I have he's on he's on my list. Cannot believe Alexi Lawless left him out. I was. Especially as Lawless being a U.S. defender himself, like I, I think. Oh, also very. I was also just as shocked. Alexi Lawless didn't include himself <laughs> in the list. I would. I, I. I couldn't believe that. Honestly, he's he's becoming self-aware. <laughs> oh my god, um, but like my wonder is, did Bocanegra when he was young did he force uh, Lawless out? Was, was could there be some resentment? That was this a, an intentional omission? Oh, yeah, that could be or. Or maybe or Lawless. The more just, plausible solution is Alexi Lawless doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. I think I think it's it's that and the third option. I think it's it's part two and part three. Number three is Bocanegro is like an aesthetically attractive soccer player, center back, popular in America. So I think he just kind of does some resentment there. Mm. Uh, for my number six, I have your boy Jermaine Jones. In in some respect, the original Schalke playing yeah. U.S. midfielder. Yeah. I, I think people don't appreciate that he played for a Champions League club for so long in his career. And, you know, he he doesn't play that aesthetic offensive game, but, man, he shores up your back four, he wins the ball, and he gives it to the guys. You know, every team has a player like him, and that role is so important. The guy who can win the ball, who can protect your defense, who can cover you, and then every now and again smash you with a banger like against Portugal. His his style of midfield is a, is a, a dying breed. You don't see as many midfielders play the game like he did. Um, to to put it on a level of, of people that only followed, you know, like European soccer, 
He he's he's the U.S.'s version of Gennaro Gattuso, absolute yeah. bulldog in the midfield. Will will go into tackles. You know, if he needs to, if he needs to send a fucking message, he will. Um, he was you know no, noted for in, in some competitions or friendlies, just hacking the shit out of Neymar. And then leading up to the 2014 World Cup, there was an interview where where I think it was uh, Taylor Twelman or somebody was like, "So how long how long before you you start hacking away at uh, at Ronaldo?" And he goes, "I'm not gonna hack at Ronaldo. I respect him. I only take I only take players to the dirt who deserve it." Which I fucking love that mentality. I I love Jermaine Jones. Yeah. No, I mean, I really do love him and. I mean, like I said, I put him as my number six. And, you know, I can, I can be a harsh critic at times. Yeah. So I really do appreciate what he brought. Uh, my number five, I have Steve Trundle. Stevie G. I wow. think if you're the greatest fullback in your nation's history, you belong in the top five, especially in a history where we na- we don't, we're not as rich with offensive players <laughs> the way that a Germany is or an Italy is or a Brazil is. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so Steve Trundle is my number five. Steve Trundle, that he's he's probably the player I had the hardest time giving an actual rank to because I know that I just for some reason love that guy and I just thought, well, if I'm gonna have him here, then I probably have to bump him down a few spots. But I, I yeah. would I would never blame somebody for putting him there. And uh, who's your number five? My number five is Claudia Arena. Ooh, I have him higher up. Okay. So, see, I, get, I did give a little bit of respect to the old guys. Yeah. Um, that leaves us at number four, where this is one you've already mentioned. I have Carlos Bocanegra. Had nice. a career in Europe. One of our, probably our all-time best defender, period. Yeah. A leader. Wait, wait, you captain. mean, you think, you think Bocanegra is better than Gooch Onyewu? I'm pretty sure the donkey and Don Quixote is a better defender than Gooch. When the guy's nickname is what's between your dick and your butthole, that just says it all. I can't believe the only American player to play for AC Milan is fucking a Gucci Onyewu. That, that is a, a black a dark mark on on my my club. Um, yeah, I, I, I will not blame you for having, you know, Carlos Bocanegra there. And then, uh, did you say your four? No, my number four, I got Tab Ramos. Okay. You know, Fair enough. Offensive, you know, like you said, in, especially in those olden days, we were, um, we lacked a lot of creative players, and, you know, he was one of those guys that could do it. I also really dig and respect the work he's put in on the youth programs and, the, and like, the under-23 under teams for the U.S. team, when, you know, when he's been in the those advisory coaching roles as well. So... Who's your number three? Landon Donovan. That's my number three. Hey, look at that. Yeah. Uh, LD comes in at number three for me. LD, I mean, really, really talented, right? Really on almost there with Clint Dempsey in terms of talent. Um, I definitely did hold his club record against him on this one. But more importantly... I held, I held his candy ass hard against more him. More importantly, the fact that he would not bleed for the U.S. And that... I like, think... To credit him, I think he was very well marketed. Yeah, very well marketed. Also, I mean, and, and he was very talented, and he and he delivered in a lot yeah. of all times. But he walked away he from was. his country when his country needed him to help qualify. Obviously, we did qualify that time, and then he decided to come back when it was you know, beneficial for him. And that's actually 
I think my reasoning for having Landon number three is the reason for who I have at number two, who you had a lot lower down, and that's Brian McBride. I will never, never forget watching McBride against Italy in the 06 World Cup group stage, getting his face absolutely wrecked and bleeding everywhere, which, you know, he went went up for... for an aerial ball, took a, a nasty elbow. I don't know if it was by Marco Materazzi, it was by somebody that got Italy the red card. We went and tied Italy that game. That that's just burnt in my in my mind. I was actually in uh, I was in Prague watching that game, and all the the Czech Republic fans I was watching it with were cheering for America. So we were all going crazy. Uh, I will I will that 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 and also he scored the winner against Portugal in the uh, 2002 World Cup game. So, guy stepped up big in World Cup games. He's getting my number two. Suck it, Landon. So, you know, early on, I feel like you were kind of chirping me a little bit for not respecting the older guys, but uh, <laughs> my number two is Claudio Reyna. There you go. Yeah. A guy who played every year of his career but one in Europe, primarily in the Bundesliga and in the Premier League. The only American to ever make the best 11 FIFA, best 11 FIFA World Cup team, 2002, when we made the quarterfinals. He was part of that team. One of the best midfielders we've and most creative players we've ever had. He's my number two all time. Yeah. And I, I, I don't fault you. I mean, you had him in your top five, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, I did. If I'm not. I did. So, but uh, no, I did respect the old guard. I gave it a hell of a lot of respect yeah. there at the end. And then number one, this is a formality. There's no fucking, there's no, there, there's no choice. Um, and the fact that, that uh, uh, Alexi Lawless didn't have him in his top two just confirms to me that I, we are right. Yeah. And for those that aren't able to follow along, we're talking about the one, the only, Mr. Clint Dempsey. Yeah, the American GOAT. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, last episode we went through all his records and figures and broke him down. And, you know, here's – I'm going to put all that aside and I'll give you one reason why he's the, my, the greatest American player of all time. So painful memories, but let's take us back to that night at TNT when he got subbed on. For the whatever the twenty minutes he played, you saw a thirty-four-year-old man give it everything he has, and his his shot is two inches instead of hitting the post two inches other. We go to the World Cup. That guy gave everything for his country till the end. Also, this is the guy that overcame a really serious heart condition to be able to give everything he could for his country one more time. Nobody would have held it against him if he had called it a career after being diagnosed with that 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 heart you know abnormality. And he's like, fuck it, no, I'm not done. There's still more to give. You'd never see this guy walk away from his country until he was done with the game. And that's, you talked about this last last episode, the fact that, you know, it's a total Dempsey move, retiring from international when you retire from club and the, from the game together. Um, also, talk about a guy that had that attitude and that swagger and wouldn't take shit from no, nobody regardless of what team they were on. That That's Clint Dempsey right there. And that's... that. That's American soccer. If, yeah, exactly. Perfect way to say it. If you think about what we want American soccer to look like, it's guys like Clint Dempsey who, when they were kids, wanted to be able to kick a soccer ball harder so he would spend his time smashing a, a, a fully inflated basketball, which is heavier. Just, you know, just yeah. his story, everything about that guy just is exactly what our country is about, honestly. Yeah, so long story short, Alexi Laws, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Go start a Yeah, name- Taylor, that's our thought on Alexi Laws. He just go- doesn't have a fucking clue. Alexi Laws, go start a Neymar fan club. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that for this episode of Own Goal Podcast. Please email your questions to owngoalpod at gmail.com. Give us that follow on Twitter at owngoalpod. We are available on Apple Podcasts. Please rate and subscribe us. And yeah, and you know, honestly, oh, go ahead, Eric. I was say we say this every now and then, but like, pass us along if you know somebody that likes soccer or just know somebody that that's looking for for something to get into. You know, Pat, spread the word. Soccer's, uh, you know, as you guys know, you listen to this podcast. It's it's an awesome sport. Maybe maybe try to get somebody else interested in in, in some games. If you're gonna go watch some of the like the later morning games, maybe maybe you know go meet somebody up at a bar and and and, and get them engaged in the sport as well. We're not just trying to grow uh, our podcast, we should also grow the game of soccer, but also if we could grow our podcast, that'd be cool too. Yeah, um, and that with that, bye. Listen, darling, I know what they say about us. They say we'd never make it out of the group stage, but here's our story. It was the summer of 94 when I first laid my eyes on Making freedom lovers cry, scream, and shout.